This is the Bible in one year, day 234. Wholehearted Living I remember it as if it were yesterday. I got up out of my seat and went forward. I'd only been a Christian for a few months. The message I responded to was to be fully, wholeheartedly committed to the Lord and to follow Him with all my heart, wherever that might take me. Of course, I've had my ups and downs since then and my fair share of failures. All of us are far from perfect. I still do things that I wish I did not do. But I've been determined to try and follow the Lord with all my heart and be fully committed to Him. To be fully committed with all your heart means a 100% commitment. It means seeking to do what the Lord calls you to do. It means rooting out anything that's bad, ruthlessly tearing down the high places and getting rid of the other gods in the midst of life. The Lord is looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. The psalmist prayed, Give me an undivided heart. The expression, all your heart, appears many times throughout the Bible. For example, you are to do the following things with all your heart. Love the Lord, trust in the Lord, obey the Lord, praise the Lord, work for the Lord. This is how to enjoy life and life in all its fullness. It's a life of love, trust, gratitude, joy and meaningful work. In the passages for today, we see why and how we should live wholeheartedly. From Psalm 102 Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me. When I call, answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. The Brevity of Life The psalmist is aware of how short life is. For my days vanish like smoke, my days like the evening shadow, I wither away like grass. He has this sense that time is running out. Life on this earth is so short. Make the most of every day. The psalmist is suffering. He cries out, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. This is a striking example of wholehearted commitment to God, even in the midst of distress. Choose to turn to God. Know that God is eternal and that he can be trusted. Lord, I thank you that while my life is like the evening shadow, you are eternal and I can trust you. I lift my problems before you now. Let my cry for help come to you. New Testament from 1 Corinthians 15 Now, brothers and sisters, 
I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Yet by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn. Christ the firstfruits. Then, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? And if the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, 
what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. The certainty of resurrection. Paul tells us what was at the heart of his preaching and why he followed Jesus so wholeheartedly. The gospel I preached to you which you receive and on which you have taken your stand. This is the gospel whereby you are saved. Hold firmly to it. First, the message. It's a very simple message that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. His death had a great purpose. It was for our sins. The penalty for sin has been paid. The power of sin is broken. And one day, even the presence of sin will be removed. You can be sure of this because of the resurrection. This is the certainty of your hope for the future. Jesus died and was buried. One day, you will die and be buried. Jesus was raised from the dead. One day, you will also be raised from the dead to full and eternal life. Second, the evidence. The resurrection is a sign in this world of the future God has in store. Paul spoke of the future in light of what God has done. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Faith is not irrational. Faith is grounded on the event of the resurrection. Paul gives some of the evidence for the resurrection. He highlights that Jesus was buried and raised according to the scriptures. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were written about before he was born. He points to Christ's appearances to Peter, to the twelve, to five hundred others, to James, all the apostles, and finally to Paul himself. This is not an exhaustive list of the appearances, but enough to show that it is well attested. He shows that the resurrection is rooted in history, grounded in scripture, and confirmed by experience. Third, the importance. The resurrection really matters. If there is no resurrection, the consequences are dire. The resurrection was the basis of Paul's preaching. Without it, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors, a string of barefaced lies. Since that was what they based their faith on, without the resurrection, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. There would be no hope for the future. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. In fact, Paul concludes, that without it, Christianity is worse than nothing. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. Fourth, the result. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. Therefore, the resurrection is certain. One day, all those who are in Christ will be raised from the dead. Then death will be destroyed. God's rule is absolutely comprehensive, a perfect ending. Because the resurrection is certain, Paul writes, we endanger ourselves every hour. I die every day. He is 100% wholeheartedly fully committed to the Lord. He even fought wild beasts in Ephesus. He was willing to risk his life 
because of the certainty of the resurrection. This is the reason why Paul urges us to stop sinning. Satan's tactics often start with unbelief. If he can make you doubt, then next he'll tempt you to sin. In one sense, all sin stems from unbelief. The message of Jesus, his death and resurrection, is good news. It's the gospel. You're to receive it and believe it. You're to take your stand on it. You're to hold it firmly. Like Paul, pass it on to others. Father, thank you that Jesus died for my sins and that you raised him from the dead so that I could be totally forgiven, set free, and one day be raised with Christ. Help me, like Paul, to be wholeheartedly committed to passing this message on as of first importance. Old Testament from 2 Chronicles 16 to 18 In the thirty-sixth year of Asa's reign, Baasha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. Let there be a treaty between me and you, he said, as there was between my father and your father. See, I am sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. Ben-Hadad agreed with King Asa and sent the commanders of his forces against the towns of Israel. They conquered Aijon, Dan, Abel-Maim, and all the store cities of Naphtali. When Baasha heard this, he stopped building Ramah and abandoned his work. Then King Asa brought all the men of Judah, and they carried away from Ramah the stones and timber Baasha had been using. With them he built up Jeba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. Asa was angry with the seer because of this. He was so enraged that he put him in prison. At the same time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. The events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the thirty-ninth year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the doctors. Then, in the forty-first year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors. They buried him in the tomb that he had cut out for himself in the city of David. They laid him on a bier covered with spices and various blended perfumes, and they made a huge fire in his honor. 2 Chronicles chapter 17 Jehoshaphat his son succeeded him as king and strengthened himself against Israel. He stationed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and put garrisons in Judah and in the towns of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat, 
because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. The Lord established the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat, so that he had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. In the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, Ben-Hael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathanel, and Micaiah, to teach in the towns of Judah. With them were certain Levites, Shemaiah, Nethaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Shemiramoth, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tob Adonijah, and the priests Elishama and Jehoram. They taught throughout Judah, taking with them the book of the law of the Lord. They went round to all the towns of Judah and taught the people. The fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands surrounding Judah, so that they did not go to war against Jehoshaphat. Some Philistines brought Jehoshaphat gifts and silver as tribute, and the Arabs brought him flocks, seven thousand seven hundred rams and seven thousand seven hundred goats. Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful. He built forts and store cities in Judah and had large supplies in the towns of Judah. He also kept experienced fighting men in Jerusalem. Their enrollment by families was as follows. From Judah, commanders of units of a thousand, Adna the commander with three hundred thousand fighting men. Next, Jehohanan the commander with two hundred and eighty thousand. Next, Amasiah son of Zikri, who volunteered himself for the service of the Lord with two hundred thousand. From Benjamin, Eliada, a valiant soldier with two hundred thousand men armed with bows and shields. Next, Jehozabad, with a hundred and eighty thousand men armed for battle. These were the men who served the king, besides those he stationed in the fortified cities throughout Judah. 2 Chronicles chapter 18 Now Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage. Some years later he went down to see Ahab in Samaria. Ahab slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him, and the people with him, and urged him to attack Ramoth-Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are, and my people as your people. We will join you in the war. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First seek the counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, four hundred men, and asked them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I not? Go, they answered, for God will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here, whom we can inquire of? The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. 
So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenayana, had made iron horns, and he declared, This is what the Lord says. With these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth-Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what my God says. When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead or shall I not? Attack and be victorious, he answered, for they will be given into your hand. The king said to him, How many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, These people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me but only bad? Micaiah continued, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, with all the multitudes of heaven standing on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, into attacking Ramoth-Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this, and another that. Finally, a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord, and said, I will entice him. By what means? the Lord asked. I will go and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all his prophets, he said. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. So now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, son of Kenayana, went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go when he went from me to speak to you? he asked. Micaiah replied, You will find out on the day you go to hide in an inner room. The king of Israel then ordered, Take Micaiah, and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, This is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison, and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. Micaiah declared, If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, Mark my words, all you people. The Eyes of the Lord God is always on the alert, constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to him. Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him that he was in trouble because he had ceased to rely fully on the Lord, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those 
whose hearts are fully committed to him. God sees everything you do. He's looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord see your heart. Are you living wholeheartedly for him? Asa, who'd done so well for most of his life, in the last years, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. There's nothing wrong with getting help from the medical profession. He's not criticized for seeking help from the physicians. He's criticized for not seeking help from the Lord. His son, Jehoshaphat's heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Again, he started very well. He didn't fool around. He was a seeker and follower of the God of his father and was obedient to him. He was single-minded in following God and he got rid of the local sex and religion shrines. He was tested by the fact that 400 prophets all had a lying spirit. Only Micaiah, son of Imla, had the courage to speak truth to power. The devil is a deceiver. In an age when there is no shortage of voices to hear, we need the discernment of God, not to be fooled by deception, but to listen carefully to those who, like Micaiah, say, As sure as God lives, what God says, I'll say. Lord, I thank you that your eyes range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to you. Please strengthen me as I recommit myself to serve you wholeheartedly. Pepper adds, In 2 Chronicles 16 verse 7 it says, Because you relied on the king of Aaron and not on the Lord, even godly leaders can become self-reliant or reliant on the wrong things or the wrong people. However difficult, we need to be open to correction and stay dependent on God.